This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Napa know-how. Keeping it simple is usually a good thing. And when it comes to rewards programs, keeping it simple is always a good thing. That's why we made the Napa Rewards program effortless. All you need is your phone number to start saving on the parts and tools you need. Then we automatically give you $5 off your next purchase for every 100 you spend. So start saving today with Napa Rewards. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. With 
All right, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I believe we are having some technical difficulties here. I hope you all can hear me right now. I'm just going to do a few tests to make sure we are, in fact, live. And we do apologize. All right, we do have some Internet issues going on, so it appears we are live here on Finsider Radio. We apologize for that delay and silence you experience at the top of the show. I'm not sure what's going on with our connection here, but we are good. We are ready to go. And of course I it. am MC money, although not quite money right now. And uh, joined by certain, the soccer dad who's been hanging out, I guess in his van a little too much, which is why we can't stay <laughs> connected on time. And of course, how to, uh-huh. who'd rather be playing uh, PS4 right now, instead of talking to us, of course, I'll be the show. 2k 17. Is that correct? Yeah, but I, I still haven't even – I opened the package. I haven't taken the game out. I'm 100% dedicated to this podcast, so let's do this. <laughs> That's exactly what we like to hear. So we yeah. have a, a really good show for you tonight. We know it's the dead of the off season right now, right? There's really not much going on. The free agency waves have ended. Um, all the teams really are focusing on the draft. It's but just about 30 days away which is really crazy if you think about it. But at this time, you know, everything's kind of quieting down. We have the owners' meetings in uh, Arizona going on right now. And, of course, nothing controversial with the Dolphins going on. Right, boys? (laughs) Ross standing up to everyone. Yes, so we will talk about that. We will talk about Stephen Ross and what he's doing out in Phoenix and voting against the Raiders moving to Las Vegas. We'll kind of break, jump into that just a little bit. We're also going to be joined by Kyle Krabs of NDT Scouting in just a few minutes. Kyle is one of the top independent scout slash draft analysts out there as an awesome draft guide. I know he's upgraded it a bunch this year, brought on Joe Marino to the, to the show and uh, you know, really having that, website interface now where, where people can go throughout the entire year and look at player articles, player highlights, player analysis, and so forth. So we'll talk to him about what the Dolphins may do in the upcoming draft. We know the Miami Dolphins, Mike Tannenbaum, Adam Gase, they've all said that they're focused on the draft at this time. While they're still open to free agents, their main focus, number one priority, is the draft. So that's where Finsider Radio is going to be headed just as well uh, we're looking straight at the draft for the next month. If anything happens in terms of free agency, maybe Zach Brown signs. We'll obviously touch on that, but it is full steam ahead to the NFL draft where the Dolphins have a few picks. Of course, not their full load after trading a bunch last year and up and down left and right, but they will look to certainly make an impact, and we believe that they're going to go defense in the first three rounds. How, if you had to guess before we bring Kyle on, before he calls into the show, if you had to guess, you know, what the Dolphins might do with the draft coming up. Name one or two players who you think the Dolphins would take at 22. And then, and I want to hear one or two players that you think they would also take. All right, I'm just going to stick with my gut and what I've been pretty much saying all offseason long. I like Zach Cunningham out of Vanderbilt. I, I like the player. I think he'd be a huge asset to this defense. Um, most importantly, the linebacking core. But outside of that, again, Taco Charlton, that's a name I mentioned. Laquan McMillan in the second round or even maybe the late first. And uh, Hassan Reddick, I mean, the guy, the local boy from Temple. I hope to be going to the draft. I, I hope that that name's called. He's a versatile player that can 
play played his hand in the dirt. He can also uh, cover, play at that linebacker position. So, so those are some guys I'm really interested in. And for me, defensive side of the ball is the way I'm going to go because that's where Miami's weaknesses seem to be. I know we need an upgraded guard, uh, perhaps tight end. I don't know if you can really rely on Julius Thomas, but for me, I'm, I'm looking at defense, and, and those are some of the guys I'm most interested in and hope the Dolphins select the 22 overall. All right, Sutton, really quick before Kyle Gee is on hold, we're going to bring him on in just a minute. Sutton, one or two players you think the Dolphins would, would consider taking at 22? One or two players I would the Dolphins would consider drafting at 22. I think you have to look at Forrest Lamp, the guard, how it's alluded to it. We're a little bit weak at guard right now, so getting an improvement there would certainly help, although I would certainly advocate for defensive investment uh, he didn't mention Barnett, which uh, the, the defensive end from Tennessee. So it is possible that he may drop to us at 22, and I would love to be able to snatch him up if he does so. All right, and no one knows the draft better than Kyle Krabs, who we're bringing on right now. Uh, Kyle, thank you for joining us. Welcome to Finside Radio. This is Matt Kanata talking. And, and for those who are listening, Kyle is, like I said at the top of the show, one of the top independent draft analysts slash scouts out there does a really phenomenal job with his draft guide. I've been following it for quite a few years, and it's really grown and tremendously over the past few years. And this year he's offering a few more features. So, Kyle, before we jump into the draft, if you just want to talk about you know, the different features you're offering, I know you brought Joel Marino on board with you. So you just kind of dive into that before we talk about the draft. Sure. Well, thank you guys very much for having me. Uh, MC Money, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, so what we've done this year is in the years past, I've done a draft guide. It's 300 players, prospects, that are put through a trait-oriented uh, scoring system based on their film. So the film is about three-quarters of their overall assessment. And then I try to complement each one of those film assessments with things like uh, game experience and leadership and production and something new that I've rolled out this year, which is a PSAR, PSAR metric. It's a physical size and athleticism rating. Uh, you're seeing a big push right now in people that are uh, assessing and evaluating combine performances and normalizing the data that you get based on how big the athlete is. And that's what this aims to do. It looks at the past 12 years of combine data, each prospect that goes through, uh, every test, each position is scored in different tests that I feel are most statistically relevant. And um, their historical placing against all 12 years of every prospect at the same position that's tested, how well they test in that test. And then that is, uh, there's a multiplier that's included in there that is the bigger you are as an athlete in comparison to all the athletes that have passed through at the same position. Uh, the better your multiplier is going to be in that regard. So it's a kind of a blend between analytics and uh, using that as supplements for film studies. I do 300 reports. Uh, this year we've got Joe Marino coming on board. He's developed his own uh, similarly oriented and, and, and task oriented uh, player assessment tool. Uh, each one of us are doing the same 300 players. And then we're turning this into a uh, a 12 month affair because as much as the draft is well, a big push in the spring and, and the winter months for the guys that live and breathe it, it it's a 12 month affair. That's, I mean, look at NFL personnel. They're, they've got guys that are digging into uh, film for next year as, as almost as soon as the draft is over. So uh, mm -hmm. our goal is to do uh, a 12 month premium content calendar 
to complement the the 600 scouting reports that you're getting from me and Joe combined and start being very transparent with our process all the way throughout the course of the year. So that's great stuff, obviously. And, and of course, the draft has evolved over the years, and you're talking about analytics now and different ways to look at players, you know, the way they're coming into the NFL now from colleges and high school. And it's just so different now compared to then. And, Kyle, they can get this for an annual subscription fee of just $20. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so it's $20 gets you. We're, we're going to be introducing a new website um, web developers are putting some finishing touches on it now, so I don't have a finalized date, but I can tell you regardless of the status of the site, uh, my 2017 NFL Draft Prospectus will be available on April 3rd. It's a $20 subscription, gets you 12 months of access to the new site once the site goes live, and it also gets you uh, these 600 scouting reports from myself and Joe. All right, so you can follow NDT Scouting on Twitter for more information to see how to order it. Let's jump right into the draft. Now, Kyle, you are at the Combine this past year and many other years. A lot of misinformation is out there in terms of teams drastically altering their draft boards after the Combine based on the results. And we see it all the time every year where a player starts to suddenly rise right after the Combine and pro days, and it's the talk of the media. We've seen it every year. So you being, you know, connected in the way you are, can you just clear that up for us? Um, I've heard that teams pretty much have their draft board set by the combine. They just tweak a few things or it's a kind of a check me here. Let's go look back at film if, if he really improved or didn't impress. And, and kind of things like that, checks and balances, is for the combine. And in terms of the media, you know, sh- people shooting up through the media, that's already known to teams, correct? Or, or is the media kind of hyping players up and then altering teams thinking as well? No, you're right on it. As far as you know, this quote-unquote draft stock, you know, uh, the, the concept of draft stock is simply people on the outside catching up to the people on the inside. And um, the, the media, obviously, this is um, a mouthpiece season is what I like to refer to it as, and that's uh, people in teams and front offices understand that people get their information from the same three or four sources. So a lot of this information that that is being passed out as news is deliberately being put out there, and it's all one big chess chess game. Uh, And and a good example of that is last year I actually had um, somebody within a front office of an NFC franchise buy my 2016 NFL draft prospectus. And I emailed him and and thanked him and said, you know, if there's ever any questions you have, uh, please let me know. And he went out of his way to say, you know, we are looking for resources that get us away from the group think of being inside our own room with our own scouts. And we know that when we listen to NFL network and ESPN, all those guys are getting information from the same three sources. So we're interested in getting the ideas of people on the outside who are conducting, you know, these assessments in a quality fashion. And that's what we feel as though you do. So the, the teams know, right. The, the, everybody kind of on the inside of the NFL has, their own collected thought processes and they're looking for their own, as you said, confirmation or uh, disassociation from what they're feeling. And that's what the combine process is, is he's the athlete we thought he was, or no, he's not the athlete we thought he was. Kyle Sutton here. And thanks again for joining us tonight. I want to get specifically to this particular draft class on the defensive side of the ball. 
Where do you see the positions on the defensive side of the ball as being particularly deep this year? That's the one kind of common theme that I hear about this draft class is that it's a deep class. Could you tell us a little bit more about the positions you're seeing where that depth exists? Sure. Uh, I would say there's notably more top-end talent at the safety positions this year. Uh, You look at names like uh, Jamal Adams from LSU, Malik Hooker from Ohio State, Buda Baker from uh, University of Washington, and the forgotten guy, in my opinion, is Eddie Jackson out of Alabama. Each one of those guys are sitting inside the top 35 on, on my personal board. Now, obviously, that's not putting them through a team-specific scope, so teams can be very different than that. Uh, but safety class really stands out to me in particular as a, as a position that has a lot of value at the top portion of the draft, and you get deeper and deeper in, and you see a lot of quality players that might not be three-down um, scheme multiple prospects, but they are very good at a particular role and can fit very well in a specific scheme. And then pass rushers is the other one that that certainly stands out to me as far as the depth all the way down through. I did 30 pass rushers this year, and and I believe 28 of them got draftable grades. Uh, So very impressive group of pass rushers. It's just a question of do you like guys with length? Do you like guys with twitch? Do you like guys with size? Um, there's a little bit of everything all the way down the board in in different levels of polish for that position group. We are being joined by Kyle Krabs, NDT Scouting. That's his Twitter name. Please give him a follow, talking Miami Dolphins draft. Houts, I know you had a few questions regarding what the Dolphins might do at 22. Yeah, Kyle uh, Houts here. Thanks again, like both of them have said. Thanks again for joining us. For me, some of the players I personally enjoy, I mean a guy like Hassan Reddick, Zach Cunningham, Taco Charlton, my question for you is this. Who do you see the Dolphins looking for with the 22nd pick in the draft, and, and what are some of those players that uh, could help this defense moving forward? Yeah, as much as I want to say Hassan Reddick's going to be a, an option for the Dolphins, um, I know for a fact that there is at least two teams up in front of the Dolphins that absolutely love him as a player. Um, that, that's uh, some experience that I had at the Combine and at the Senior Bowl. Um, just kind of overhearing conversations and Reddick has been the poster child of just show up and, and perform as, and, and watch, you know, teams are really going to covet your skill set when you are willing to illustrate all the things that you can do. And somebody is as versatile as he is uh, really stands out. So I'm not sure Reddick's going to be a realistic option. Um, and, and I don't think if you take him out of the equation, there's anybody at linebacker in, in, unless Reuben Foster slips and falls uh, that, that you can look at. And obviously if the Dolphins end up signing Brown, uh, that will make for uh, kind of a moot point at this position anyway. So I think pass rusher is a great option for them. Names like Derek Barnett and Taco Charlton, like you mentioned. Um, they, they really have – Nice profiles as far as being base ends. Charlton is really, really long. Um, He's surprisingly fluid, and he bends in corners especially well for how big he is, where Barnett's more of a snap anticipation end-style player. Uh, I think he can set the edge against the run very well. And then if you get in obvious passing down and distances, uh, that's where he's going to be able to showcase. You know, He's got one move that he likes to go to the well a little bit too much with, but he does a really nice job in minimizing his surface area and and forcing false contact at at, uh, that, that peak of the pocket and be able to turn the corner and and get after the the passer that way. 
Kyle, of course, that's kind of disappointing news for a lot of Dolphins fans with Hassan Reddick and you giving us the news. Uh, thank you for dropping that on our show, by the way, that two teams absolutely love him, but, you know, how could they not? So I'm going to put you on the spot here. Last question of the evening, and again, thank you for joining us at NDT Scouting on Twitter. Please purchase this draft guide. It's one of the best out there um, on the Internet. Kyle, I'm going to put you on the spot. We know the Dolphins need help on defense. But if you're the Dolphins GM, and obviously, of course, you don't know how the whole draft is going to, to shake out here. But based on, you know, let's just play mock draft in your head. First three picks, assuming the Dolphins stay in their exact spot in the first, second, and third rounds, what would be your players, ideal players, that could be picked at that spot? Oh, geez. Uh, if I'm looking for ideal players, I would probably pull the trigger on uh, Eddie Jackson at 22. Maybe Dorian Johnson from Pittsburgh as an offensive guard in the second round. And then the third round, uh, best available linebacker. So maybe somebody, oh, geez. I don't think Jared Davis will be there, but he's a name to really watch. I I really like Jared Davis quite a bit. if they like speed, maybe somebody like Jalen Rees-Maven, that the third round's a little too soon for him, but that is a name to watch. Um, Elijah Lee from, from Kansas State is another really solid candidate as far as a really athletic guy. I was not invited to the combine, but it's kind of a mystery to me because his pro day was really strong and he has nice tape out of Kansas State and, and no character issues on the record. But I would definitely go Eddie Jackson and then Dorian Johnson as two really – really confident things that I would peg as far as if you want the Dolphins to take the next step as a team, those are some guys that you can put stars next to. All right, Kyle Krabs, thank you very much for joining Finsider Radio again. Please uh, follow Kyle on Twitter at NDT Scouting, one of the best out there. Kyle, hopefully we can bring you on again as we lead up to the draft. You do tremendous work. Thank you for joining us and taking some time out of your day. Most definitely. Thank you guys very much for having me. All right, take care. That it was Kyle Krabs again at NDT Scouting. Uh, boys, you know, um, you know that's kind of disappointing to hear that Hassan Reddick probably is not going to be there. It seems every time the Dolphins are kind of in reach of a linebacker, we saw it with C.J. Mosley, right? We saw it with Ryan Shazier, who came to the draft in an all-aqua outfit, for crying out loud, right? We saw it with... <laughs> Even last year, Miles Jack, where, where people, myself included, were sitting there thinking they have to pick him. They have to pick him, right? They're going to pick him. And then they pick Laramie Tunsil, which, of course, isn't a bad pick. No one thought he would be there. But it's like every time you think that the Dolphins have the shot at a linebacker, they are just one to three picks away from losing out. So, and, I mean, it looks like, again, this won't be the year for the Dolphins to get a linebacker in the draft in the, in the first round. Well, we're still waiting on Zach Brown, as we've mentioned a couple times already. So there's still a plan in place, and it's still fluid, as you like to say. So it's still, you know, there's still some moving pieces there. We'll see what happens there. Um, but even if Zach Brown doesn't transpire, it does elevate the need for linebacker fairly considerably, I would say. So um, if if Kyle's draft strategy is right and we're going to invest somewhere in the third round on a linebacker and we're assuming Zach Brown's not there, we better hit on that pick or we're going to have to expect more from 
someone like Neville Hewitt, someone that's a little bit more unproven. How how about you? Where would you go? I mean, you know, you know, we're looking at the linebacker in terms of Lawrence Timmons, who's on a two-year deal. I mean, how how much is he going to to bring to Miami in the long term? You're looking at Tico Alonso. We hope that he can continue his play from last year. Obviously, he has flaws. Uh, Cole Meese is coming back on a restructured contract, but really, it seems like the linebacker position is that one position that the Dolphins cannot escape from. You know, going after free agents and trying to find to fit in their system. And like I told Sutton, and, and like Kyle told us, it doesn't look like this will be the year for Miami once again. Yeah, for me, I mean, we all know how much I wanted Hightower. When that, when that ship sailed, I mean, it was time to move on. For me, Hassan Reddick, he's a guy that's almost like a chess piece. You line him up a defensive end, you can play him an outside linebacker. I don't think necessarily missing on him is the end of the Dolphins' 2017 season or even the draft, but I mean, I'm really high on Raquan McMillan out of Boston State. He's probably one of my favorite linebackers in this year's draft. I think 22 is a little bit high for him, maybe trading back and hitting him in late first. But, I mean, you got a guy like him. You got Jared Davis out of Florida. There are some very good linebackers in this year's draft. So, I don't think missing on Reddick's the end of the world. I do personally think that edge rusher or defensive end is where Miami should seek if, if they don't go guard or, or even safety like Kyle said. So, I mean, I don't think it's the end of the world. I, I think there's some great talent out there, and I, I just think the Dolphins got to do their due diligence, and they just got to make each pick count like they, they did last year. I mean, I like what the Dolphins did in last year's draft. They just got to repeat that and uh, improve the defense, and this year should be uh, even better than last year. In my so Kyle was talking more along terms of the safety position, right? And he said he has – over five, I think, players in the top 35. And we know that safety position is a need for the Dolphins, especially with Abdul Kudis, his career is done. So here's what I was thinking yesterday as I was driving home from work. Steve Ross is a Michigan guy, right? Donates yep. millions of dollars to the, to the university. Handpicked Jim Harbaugh for the head coaching job there after he asked Jim Harbaugh to coach Miami. This was before Adam Gates was hired. But Adam, uh, Steve Ross, here's some inside information for you guys dropping right now. Steve Ross had asked Jim Harbaugh to come to Miami, and um, Jim Harbaugh said, no, I want to go to Michigan. So Jim Harbaugh said, okay, you can go to Michigan. And for those people who think that Jim Harbaugh will ever leave Michigan to come to Miami, Steve Ross will never, ever do that. Okay, He will make sure Jim Harbaugh stays at Michigan for as long as he possibly can. But going back to my original point, Steve Ross obviously has some say in the organization, and we've seen him get involved in football decisions. More inside information for you. Back when the Dolphins with, under Joe Philbin were playing in London against the Raiders before they thrashed them in, in London, we all know about the controversy where Joe Philbin wanted to bench Tannehill in favor of Matt Moore, and so did Bill Lazor, by the way. But it was Steve Ross who jumped in and said, no, you are not benching him. So he has gotten involved in the past in football decisions. We're in that draft room, right? Jabril Peppers is on the board. Taco Charlton's on the board. And Steve Ross opens his mouth. Actually, forget Taco. Let's say Taco's off because we want to make this interesting. Because we can just say, well, they'll drop Taco, which is true. Let's say Jabril is on the board, Taco is gone. And Steve Ross opens his mouth and says, I want you to draft Jabril Peppers. We, we know there's flaws with Peppers. He's that hybrid, safety, linebacker type guy, but we know there's flaws. 
How do you as a coaching staff react to that? I mean, that has to be just a little bit awkward, House, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I would never be in that situation because I'm just I'm, – I'm essentially a sous <laughs> chef. So, I mean, that's not a situation I'd ever be in. But for me, I can only imagine. I mean, you're Adam Gase. You're this alpha male. You got Mike Tannenbaum. He's pretty uh, well-respected throughout the, the league. I mean, if a Stephen Ross came in there, I mean, even though he signed those paychecks, if he's – if he's going to sit there and say he wants this guy, I mean, personally, that might piss me off. I think there's probably a bunch of bunch of players I'd rather take a 22 overall than Jabril Peppers. I do, however, think the Dolphins do a lot worse than that. I do like him for the hybrid, like you said. I mean, the linebacker, safety, can cover in the nickel. I, I mean, he, he can pretty much do everything pretty good. He just needs to own those skills to be great. Uh, the Dolphins do a lot worse than Peppers, but I also think at 22 there's going to be some players that fall that, I'd much rather take personally, and I think that's probably the direction the Dolphins will go in the end. So, and if, if you're in that draft room, right, and you're the coach, and Steve Ross tells you you need to pick Jabril Peppers, how do you argue that, well, maybe you do like your pick? Maybe you do like Peppers, but what if you don't like Peppers? How do you argue that Peppers is not the right guy, or how do you deal with that? Well, that's hopefully where a good relationship comes into play, where you can openly communicate about those things instead of it being a, you know, pound the gavel, this is going to happen sort of thing. So I don't know that Stephen Ross would actually ever do this in real life, but since we're playing the game, you would have to consider it very strongly, as how it said. I mean, he does uh, sign, sign the dotted line, so you'd have to definitely consider it. It would ultimately have to be a football decision, though, so you're – you're going to have to have the best reasoning for having this player. It can't just be because he went to the University of Michigan. So hopefully the best idea would emerge. Uh, I do like Jabril Peppers. I don't know that he's the player that we need at this particular time right now. So I think he fits a pretty similar niche to what Rashad Jones brings to us. Out of safety, I'm looking at more of a center fielder type that would benefit this offense a little bit better. Um, so I would have to politely, hopefully decline. I would read Ross's body language. If it seemed like he was getting ready to decapitate me, I'd change my mind at the last second and say, you know what, you're right, go with Peppers. Um, but if it ends up being my decision, I'm not going in that direction. Okay, so right now on Twitter, Kyle Krabs is getting kind of beat up a little bit for saying Eddie Jackson. I tweeted it out when uh, Kyle told us, and – a lot of people are saying, you know, who the hell is Eddie Jackson? Is this an inside joke? Jackson in round one, crazy talk. Third, fourth, best safety in round one. That's crazy. Kyle's rebuting with Eddie Jackson broke his leg, and all of a sudden the world forgets he exists. Kyle also followed up just now on Twitter. Eddie Jackson, former cornerback who can play man and slot with plus range on back end, was a bald magnet in 2015, would compliment Richard Jones wonderfully. So I haven't gotten into the draft guys yet. I haven't gotten into the film, you know. I kind of wait until free agency settles down, and now that we're headed in that direction, I will be loading that up and firing that up in the next few weeks, uh, over the course of the next few weeks. So I'll look at Eddie Jackson and see how he, how he rounds out, but you know, have to see how that all plays out. A lot of people think they know things. Um, I'm not talking about Kyle. I'm talking about people on Twitter in general. And Kyle and others do this for a living, basically. Some, they do this as their full-time job, basically. I think they know a lot more than, than other people on Twitter who only just look at a few things there. Yeah, I just yeah. want to say, like you said, I mean, this guy, he probably spends uh, every waking moment that he has 
to, to watch film. And then you got guys that maybe look at mock drafts or, or look at prospect rankings to try to figure out who the Dolphins are going to get. So, I mean, for me personally, hearing Ajax's name, like I'm, I'm going to take that to the bank. I'm going to assume he's one of the better prospects in this draft because a guy who gets paid to do this, a guy that spends every waking moment studying the draft is, is going to be the one saying this. So, I mean, what people say on Twitter, I mean, that, they're just trolls. Uh, we see it all the time. We see these people that hate on Ryan Tannehill. Uh, I mean, they hated on you when you when you broke some free agency news. So, I mean, there's always going to be those guys who are skeptical, who just want to be different and try to hate on things. So, uh, I, I just have no time for that, and that's how I'm going to leave that, okay? <laughs> yeah, no, that that is very good. Uh, obviously, right. everyone has different opinions. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. But exactly. let us move on to Steve Ross before we start wrapping up the show here. Steve Ross voted against the Oakland Raiders to move to Las Vegas. It was assumed that it would be a unanimous decision. But, of course, when it all came out, that was not the case. Steve Ross released a statement shortly afterwards talking about why he made the decision not to vote for the move. And basically what it said is he didn't feel the Oakland Raiders did everything they possibly can, more specifically, not the Oakland Raiders, more specifically, um, Mark Davis didn't go deep enough into his pockets and do everything he possibly could and exhaust all options before deciding to move. So what Steve Ross said, and this is verbatim, he says this, I think when you own a team, you're a steward of that team, and you have obligations to the community. I think you don't move a team if you've really exhausted all the possibilities, and I don't believe they did. Basically, that's a shot at Mark Davis. That's a shot at the Oakland Raiders management. And it's a thing that alludes to Steve Ross when he dumped just under $1 billion, 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 yes, I said billion, just under $1 billion to renovate Hard Rock Stadium and make it look brand spanking new. And, of course, he has to be commended for that because when things were not going his way, he could have easily, A, sold a team, or B, threatened to move, and he didn't do either of that. He put his money where his mouth is, and now it's one of the top stadiums in the NFL. Sutton, if you're Stephen Ross, obviously you're not Stephen Ross. I'm not Stephen Ross. No one's Stephen Ross. <laughs> but do you think Stephen Ross made the right decision here voting against this move? Now he's the lone wolf, right? He's the lone wolf owner. But he can also say if it doesn't work out in Oakland, he's going to look like the hero, right? If it works out in Oakland, no one's really going to remember the no vote because of the reason why he did it. But do you think he made the right move, or do you think this is more of a distraction for Steve Ross and the Dolphins? No, I don't think it's a distraction. In fact, I think he's become a little bit of a folk hero almost already. And he did – you know, and his statement say, you know, best of luck to Oakland too. He he had nothing against, um, he had nothing against. I, I I thought from what I saw, he had nothing against it overall, other than the fact that it wasn't really fair to the fans, um, that all, all the options weren't exhausted for the fans' sake. So I think that's where he got a lot of street cred, so to speak. Um, so I was kind of proud of him for that, and I don't think this is going to be a major storyline. Like you said, whatever happens in Las Vegas is probably going to be irrelevant at the, you know, 
um, here in a couple of years, and no one's going to remember about this story. So, Right. I do think people will forget over time, but Houts, I just want to get your opinion on this. Do you think this is a distraction for the Dolphins, or do you think Ross kind of made the right move here? Yeah, I'm not sure it's a distraction. I think what what impresses me most, I mean, there were a couple of years ago when most of the Dolphins' Twitter or Dolphin fans, they, they probably would have been happier if Stephen Ross sold the team and, and moved on. Maybe thought he was over his head. I mean, he, he made some questionable decisions early on. But, I mean, after this Adam Gase hiring after last season, you see something like this, that's just an owner that you're proud to be behind. I mean, he did it because, I mean, he sees what – the Raiders did for Oakland and I mean anybody that's an Oakland Raiders fan I mean that's something they 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 had to love to see uh, I'm proud of Stephen Ross and I mean I'm, I'm glad he's my owner for now I mean anything could change that but I, I like the decision I don't think it's a distraction at all and I'm, I'm glad someone stepped up and and spoke for the fans because I think deep down that's what it all came down to I mean he ponied up that money out of his pocket he built one of the better stadiums in the league I personally got to go down to two games this year and, and that stadium is beautiful so I mean Stephen Ross is my guy, regardless of being a Dolphins fan or not, and he stuck up for the fans of the Oakland Raiders, and that's something you've got to respect. Absolutely. There are so much more, even though we're in the dead of the offseason, that we need to talk about, but we do need to start wrapping up the show here. Let's yeah. just I just really want to say a few words about Zach Brown and how he's taking his sweet time to <laughs> make a decision. Yeah. I think he's getting some really bad agent advice. Um. I mean, why would you wait until after the draft, right? Especially if your two main suitors are the Dolphins and the Raiders, two teams in the market for a linebacker, and two teams that could possibly draft a linebacker. I mean, if the Dolphins draft a linebacker, Zach Brown's not coming, unless it's, you know, the fourth, fifth, or sixth round. If the Raiders draft a linebacker, Zach Brown's not going there. Um, I just think he's getting really bad advice, and hopefully he makes his decision sooner rather than later so he can, you know, move on and, and get his stuff straightened out and the teams that are in limbo can get their stuff straightened out and put their focus 110% towards the draft. I don't know if either of you wanted to chime in with any words on our boy, Zach Brown. I, I think you're absolutely right. I don't think it's in his best interest to wait till after the draft. I think you have to make this decision sooner than later and definitely before the draft because then if it's after the draft, then the marketplace has been influxed with all this new – all these new supplies, so it's not a very good cost-benefit analysis for him either. So he's going to have to make this decision before the draft, or like you said, he's getting terrible advice. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I just want to throw this out there. I mean, we, we all want, would like to see Zach Brown in a Dolphins uniform, but, I mean, at the end of the day, it, I, I'm not sure. I think I said this last week. I don't think it makes or breaks the season. I think people view this guy as, I mean, I've been joking, but, Byron Cox, I mean, we keep seeing him, and we think he's the next Brian Cox on the Dolphins. I mean, Zach Brown's a very good linebacker. He's good against the run. He's good in coverage. But, I mean, he's not a player that's going to completely change the size of the 2017 season. I do agree that his agent uh, steered him wrong. I think that might have been why that firing happened a little bit ago. I think maybe Zach Brown uh, overvalues what, what he thinks he's worth uh, opposed to what other teams believe in. I think if he waits till after the draft, that's that's a huge mistake for him. All right, let's go to the live thread now. I, I know we don't have a lot of questions going on in there, but do we? I do see one in terms of is the Dolphins' best move to not move down five to seven spots. And I always like these questions that come in uh, before the draft because the reality is nobody knows until we actually get to the draft. We could have said last year the Dolphins, you know, where they were picking, it was best to move down. 
But then Tunsil falls, and no, it's not best to move down. It's best to make that pick there. So for me, Finn's fans, uh, Finn fan from Siam, it looks like, uh, I, we can't answer that because we don't know what's going to be there on the board. Obviously, ideally, you want to trade down, right, and gather more picks. But the reality is it's way too early to even think about that. Did you guys see any other questions in the live thread there? Nope. Nope. All right, I think that's covered. We do have one question from Rob Carruth on Twitter. Then we're going to take this one caller. Then we're going to wrap up and head on off until next week. Where are we here? Rob Carruth, which position is deeper in this year's draft, linebacker or defensive end? Kyle answered that for you, Rob, at the top of the show. Uh, Defensive end, he said he evaluated 30 pass rushers. 28 are draftable. Linebacker, there's not a ton after, you know, Hassan Reddick and Ruben Foster. It kind of drops off a ton there. So defensive end for sure. All right, let's take this one caller. Welcome to Finsider Radio. What is your name? What question can we answer for you? Hello? Hello. Hey, good. How are you? Hey, how you doing, Colin? First time caller. All right, welcome to Finsider Radio. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. Hey, I tell you, man. We need to get some experience in here in these GM positions. Have you ever seen Mike Shard, that old dude, come to that quarterback playing at the sideline? Like, why don't we get Marino in there or something, get him involved with us? I mean, the past draft we've had is just terrible. I mean, well, I don't know what your thoughts are. What's your name? A pardon? What's your name? They call me JP. JP, all right. Just want to address you the right way. JP, uh, we're going to put you on hold while we answer this question. Strong question from JP. Um, so let's take some time on this. Let's take a few minutes. Again, JP, thank you for calling Finsider Radio. We always welcome first-time callers, second-time callers, 30th-time callers like Christoph usually calls in, although we haven't heard from him in quite a few weeks. But back to your question, JP. Your opinion is that our draft is has been bad in the past few years, and no one's going to argue that, right? And, of course, the jury is still out on last year's draft. Here's the reality of the NFL. JP, and here's the reality with the Miami Dolphins. You get Mike Tannenbaum in there, right? A guy who is running the entire show. He brings in a first-year head coach, albeit a very smart first-year head coach, but nonetheless a first-year head coach. Mike Tannenbaum still holds the power, right? They have a GM opening. He gets rid of Dennis Hickey. He inherited Hickey, couldn't work with him, drops him by. Promotes Chris Greer, a really good decent college scout or a pro scout and promotes him. Not much experience in that position in terms of running the entire show. Mike Tannenbaum, guess what? Still has all the power, right? That's just the reality of the NFL. You have a guy hiring these guys who still wants to hold power, who doesn't want anyone to threaten his position. And while they do absolutely get along, it makes no sense for Mike Tannenbaum to go out and get alpha male general manager there possibly is, right? Although Adam Gase is an alpha male, Mike Tannenbaum knows that he's not going to stay around wrong if they don't have a good head coach. So he has to pick one or the other, right? And possibly because Adam Gase is the alpha male, he can't really pick a GM who's an alpha male because then they would clash heads. Mike Tannenbaum is the ultimate collaborative guy. He will always want to come to a consensus between everybody. And putting in two alpha males underneath him, That is an absolute recipe for disaster. So I think it's a product of what you see here in terms of the way the Dolphins' front office is structured, in terms of, you know, what they value, and in terms of, you know, just 
kind of Tannenbaum's philosophy of being that consensus builder where people aren't fighting each other. And when you have a guy like Tannenbaum who's like that, when you have a guy like Greer who's not going to, you know, fight toe-to-toe with others, and when you have the alpha male in Gase who does, you know, have that personality, I think you have that nice mixture there. Now, of course, we need to wait and see. They had their first draft together last year. We need to see how this goes, and then give it a few years to judge. But, JP, that is an absolutely excellent point. Uh, we do thank you for calling Finsider Radio. We hope you will call us again next week. But, you know, that's just the reality, guys, right? And that is the reality of the NFL, and I bet you if you look in plenty of other front offices, you're going to find the same kind of stuff going on there. No different than yeah. any, any other organizational workplace. Yeah, usually from from some of the research that I've seen, it usually seems like ego is the one thing that ends up messing up front office structures more than anything. Yeah. And, you know, this is not a knock on Mike Tannenbaum at all, but it's, you know, just kind of the way it is. And, you know, maybe he's building the structure right. Yeah, maybe he's building the structure right with, with, you know, a guy who's not going to be an alpha male with a guy who is an alpha male. It's kind of what you need there, right? Dennis Hickey and Joel Philbin, neither of them were alpha males. And Mike Tannenbaum's not really an alpha male, so that, that was kind of doomed to begin with. All right, we had a pretty good show tonight, I would have to say. Kyle Krabs joining us, dropping a lot of great information to us about the draft. Still getting killed a little bit on Twitter about Eddie Jackson, but maybe we will see how that shakes out there and how that all turns around. Uh, we talked to Steve Ross, we talked to Oakland Raiders, we talked to Zach Brown, we just talked to Dolphins' front office structure. Next week we're going to talk about Jarvis Landry as looming extension and whether he's not, he's worth $14 million dollars. We'll also look on to bring another independent draft analyst and scout to get their opinion on what the Dolphins should do. And lots more as we move ahead to the NFL draft where the Dolphins will pick 22 in the first round. And then, of course, they're on after. For House for Certain, I am MC Money. Thank you for listening to Finsider Radio, and we will talk to you next week. Keeping it simple is usually a good thing. And when it comes to rewards programs, keeping it simple is always a good thing. That's why we made the Napa Rewards program effortless. All you need is your phone number to start saving on the parts and tools you need. Then we automatically give you $5 off your next purchase for every hundred you spend. So start saving today with Napa Rewards. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. <laughs> 
We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find this anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.